Hello, this is Dwayne McCrary. I'm the team leader for the Adult Explore the Bible resources produced by Lifeway. Today, I'm being joined by David Briscoe. David, glad to have you with me today. Thanks, Dwayne. Glad to be here. Uh, today, we're going to be looking at session six. It's the, the last study uh, in this uh, particular resource, this particular quarter uh, for First Timothy. We'll be moving to Second Timothy uh, in the next session, but we're going to focus on the end of First Timothy in this session. Um, Paul is going to be thinking and looking at true contentment. Uh, he gives some warnings against greed and depending solely on one's wealth for one's security. Um, he reminds Timothy that true contentment can only be found in godliness. He's also going to remind him that true riches are found in living of a life that reflects Christ's character. He stated that the Christian life is lived in light of God's promise of eternal life to those who put their faith in Christ. He does address the wealthy, directing them to remember God's grace and the responsibility that comes with that grace. He did direct he excuse me, he directed them to focus on good works instead of their riches, seeking to be stewards of God's gracious provisions. Really, the focus, the theme of this particular study, or what you have, it's a contrast between eternal rewards and temporal material gain. He's going to deal with this issue of wealth. So I'll just go ahead and put it on the table, David. The question that, that, that comes up when I studied this is wealth a sin? Uh, and where is the balance between the pursuit of possessions and being paid for a job well done? All right. Well, uh, is wealth a sin? That's, that's an interesting uh, question because uh, it, it kind of relates to 1 Timothy 6.10 where it's often misquoted in popular culture. I heard it just this past week uh, where a celebrity – uh, made this quotation that money is the root of all evil. And that's not what Paul says in 1 Timothy 6.10. He talks about the love of money, the craving of money, the uh, idolatry of material things. So well, That's very different. That's very different because wealth in itself is neither sinful nor is it an evidence of righteousness. And in the first century in particular, uh, certainly there were uh, many in Judaism who looked upon wealth as a sign of being favored by God. Well, it, it's neither of those, and, and I think Jesus pointed this out, and, and Paul, of course, uh, comments on it as well, uh, that neither wealth nor the absence of wealth is a, a sure indicator of whether a person is right with God or not right with God. And so uh, Paul's point uh, in, as he was writing to Timothy, it was coming toward the uh, end of his first letter to him, uh, he was wanting to warn against uh, the love of money and the craving of money. Uh, so the question, what, what's a balance between the pursuit of possessions, the pursuit of uh, money, a pursuit of uh, riches, and being paid for a job well done. And so Paul gives a good principle in 1 Timothy 6, 6, and, and that principle is this, godliness with contentment. Uh, 
Well, you know, David, uh, one of the statements in the personal study guide, it's also in the daily discipleship guide on the day one exploration uh, activity, is this. It says, godliness and contentment are nurtured through simplicity. Well, that's a good so, point. So we could point to that statement in the in both the personal study guide and the daily discipleship guide while teaching this this Sunday and use that as a way to discuss and kind of bring that that idea to the forefront um, when we're in the middle of the group. And and Paul speaks from experience when he talks about that principle of living. I mean, he lived by it because in in uh, another letter in Philippians chapter 4 verses 11 through 13, he he wrote to his uh, Christian friends there, and he said, I, I know what it's like to have plenty, and I know what it's like to have nothing. And it, it was out of those dual experiences, that balance, if you will, between, uh, well, I know what it's like uh, to, to have all I need uh, in terms of money, material things. I know what it's like to be in want, uh, to not have what I need. And he said the key to it is being content with Christ, being content in Christ. Now, in Timothy and First Timothy, of course, Paul was addressing a situation in the Ephesian church in which some who were, they, they wanted to be teachers, but they wanted to be teachers not because they wanted to help others uh, grow in their faith, but they simply craved money. They saw it as an opportunity uh, to manipulate people and to gain uh, money from them. So is that really that kind of points to a danger behind seeking wealth at that point. Absolutely, it gets in our way of motivation. Mm-hmm. And, and it was it was happening not only in Ephesus, but when Paul wrote to Titus, uh, in uh, who was working in Crete on the island of Crete, uh, he said something very similar. He talked about. Uh, church leaders there who were teaching false doctrine, but they were, he said, they were ruining households in their attempt to get money dishonestly. So he just, he puts it out there plain that there is this danger. You, you kind of mentioned, too, the idea that in first century of folks viewing wealth or equating wealth with righteousness and being poor with being unrighteous and not having God's blessing. So, you know, how can we explain the difference between being blessed by God and greed when we when we are approaching this lesson? Well, it uh, to me it it really works itself out in in how people uh, their attitudes, how they talk, how they act. Uh, the um, greed is self focused. Greed is something where I'm wanting to. Uh, get more for myself. I'm wanting to please myself. Uh, when we recognize that all we have is uh, our blessings from God, in other words, He is the source of every good and perfect gift. Uh, it, back even in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 8, uh, where Moses was talking to the that generation of Israelites that were about to go into the land, and, and uh, God cautioned that generation through Moses to say to them, "Be very, very careful when you get into the land, and you're going to, you're going to have a lot. You're going to have a land that is flowing with milk and honey. You're going to have good crops. You're going to have uh, houses and and all the things that you haven't had for forty years, and and even longer than that." 
He said, be very careful that you don't reach the place where you say, oh, we got all of this for ourselves. Don't forget that it is God who has given you all that you have. So when you, when you have the attitude that I'm blessed by God, God has given me uh, this, all that I have, it, it gives you a very different attitude about those possessions. Uh, rather than selfish, you're humble. You're wanting to share and being generous uh, with others. Uh, Paul talked about that in 1 Timothy 6.18 as well, that this was uh, a, a working out of one's faith is to be willing to share one's blessings with others who maybe do not have uh, all that they need. Well, th- this passage points to the difference in some ways, too, between God's resources and our resources, his immortality and our mortality. Um, can, can, can you help me flesh through that a little bit more? Sure. I, I think you're referring to 1 Timothy 6, verses 15 through 16, where Paul is uh, talking about God who is, is the blessed and only sovereign. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords who alone is immortal. He lives in unapproachable light whom no one has seen or can see. That's God. That's who God is. He's the creator. He made everything, uh, and he is sovereign over his creation. Uh, and uh, so uh, us, let's think about us, contrast us. In 1 Timothy 6, 7, uh, Paul said this, we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of this world. Now, now think about what that's saying. God owns everything. God made everything. Us, he's, we're part of what he made, and we come into this world we don't have a penny. We don't have clothes. We don't have anything. They become blessings to us from God. When we leave, as the old saying is, you know, there's, there's no U-Haul being pulled by a hearse there where a person is taking their possessions with them to heaven. Uh, Christ in the Sermon on the Mount, Paul uh, in many places in his letters talked about that uh, when we make investments, we're making spiritual investments Uh, in heaven by setting aside those things that are not things like money, possessions, food, clothes, that sort of thing that we need here. Uh, But through our good works, we are uh, making investments and setting aside uh, those uh, spiritual riches in our heavenly realm. They'll be there for us when we get to heaven. A a phrase that that I've seen while studying this was the that we are born dependent and we die dependent. That's exactly correct. And that really sums up the whole point of what he's trying to make there. We are we're dependent. We may think we're independent, but we're really not. Um, you just mentioned, you know, the the, the, the idea of our stewardship. Mm-hmm. We usually think of money when we think of stewardship, and true, money is included here in this conversation, but. How can we help our class expand their concept of stewardship to all things, mm-hmm. time, energy? There's a lot of other things that we're stewards of that we that, that are blessings or gifts to us in that context. Well, I think a, a, a suggestion would be that a leader uh, or even a, a class 
participant could uh, suggest that we brainstorm a list of items that a person has some degree of possession. In other words, the way we understand that uh, something that I possess, it belongs to me, my, my money, my house, my clothes, my job, my time, uh, and or I have some degree of control over uh, that other human beings do not have. So uh, that could include as well uh, the uh, time, our abilities. I have abilities that are unique to me. Uh, my health. Experience. No, nobody else has my health. I have my health, my job. Uh, so, And then ask group members to imagine the different results in each of those areas. Imagine the different results if someone manages those wisely, well, uses them wisely and well, contrasting that with, well, what if someone misuses those, abuses those, or uh, really just neglects them? Uh, so what do they imagine would be the outcomes, the different outcomes between good stewardship of all of these matters on the one hand and poor stewardship on the other hand, yeah, you would find that there would be some pretty radically different outcomes mm -hmm. between good stewardship and poor stewardship. You can see how that issue sums up our study of First Timothy. He, he gave a charge to Timothy. Uh, he encouraged him to, to uh, lead the church to worship in a proper way, to uh, recognize and, and put in position qualified church leaders. To, re to maintain a proper focus in life and focus on God's Word, how to respect others, how to approach them, how to talk to them. And then he, he sums it all up with this idea about this contrast between eternal rewards and temporal material gain, really the why you do this. The, the, the stewardship he had, you, the, you think about all the things that have been invested in Timothy, and now he has this stewardship as pastor of this church in Ephesus to build upon what's been poured into him and to use it in a way to bring honor and glory to God. That's right. Next week, we'll be looking at our first session in Second Timothy. I appreciate your time. David, thank you for being with us today. Very helpful conversation as we get ready to teach from First Timothy chapter 6. I enjoyed it. Thank you.